Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Folks, the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Thanks again for checking in, everybody. Mike and Mark with you as always. And a reminder, if you like what we're doing and the guests we're bringing you each week, we certainly hope you're going to tell your friends to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get this podcast. On this episode, a player who was the first overall pick in his draft was a five-time All-Star and is now gearing up for the 2021 Olympics. Mark, I'm really looking forward to our talk with Adrian Gonzalez. I am too, Mike, because there's pressures along with that first overall pick. But you think of his swing, the rhythm and timing, uh, growing up in San Diego and watching Tony Gwynn Jr. play, that resonates with me. Can't wait to hear his stories and what it was all about, about his first. Adrian, 15 seasons in the big leagues, a lot to get to, but let's talk about what's probably foremost on your mind, and that's getting ready for the upcoming Olympics. you got to be thrilled. I, I, I am definitely, uh, definitely tr- thrilled for the Olympics. Uh, I'm here in Mexico playing. Uh, we're about to travel to uh, Campeche. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a, good, a good time here in Mexico so far. But, you know, it's all preparation for the Olympics. And I'm really looking forward to it for sure. Adrian, when did, when did you start thinking about that opportunity? I mean, you, 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 you played your last appearance in the big leagues, uh, June 10th, 2018. Uh, with the Mets. Uh, what was that thought process like going uh, for the Olympic uh, dream? Um, you know, it, it started, you know, I, like you said, June 10th, three years ago was uh, was when I last played in the big leagues. Um, I wanted to take the rest of that year off. And then I, I, I started getting ready for spring training. Um, all the opportunities that came to me uh, were on East Coast teams. And I really didn't want to go back to the East Coast after you know, even though I love my time with the Mets, but just being so far away from the family was, was really hard. So I was looking more for a, for an opportunity closer to home. Um, and so when that opportunity didn't come, I, I basically just, you know, decided to, to, to kind of keep waiting for that right opportunity. Um, and then, you know, that the opportunities that came weren't, weren't ideal. So at that point, I just decided to kind of, you know, wait until the next season, if, if anything, and just kind of stay in physical shape. And then, you know, Mexico qualified for the Olympics. And so that's when it happened. And then unfortunately last year, the, the, the pandemic hit. So it yeah. postponed the Olympics. So everything yeah. that I'm doing right now was, was more for, um, you know, for last year. But it, it's happening this year. Hey, you represented Mexico as, as a kid in youth competition, the Caribbean World so Series, well. World Baseball oh. Classic. Uh, what would it mean to you then for you and your family to basically then represent Mexico as a member of all four when you join the Olympic team. Yeah, you know, I call it the Grand Slam of representing Mexico. And I think it's 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 a very, very, you know, unique opportunity. Obviously, as a big league player, you'll never get the chance to play in the Olympics. And so this this is a great opportunity for me to to really be able to to represent uh, Mexico in, in the best way possible. Well, best of luck. 
We hope it goes as well as you uh, have dreamt and imagined. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. It should be super exciting. Let's go to your big league career. And I want to start with uh, your resume in the 15 seasons I mentioned, but you're also the first overall pick in 2000. You played in five all-star games. You went to the postseason five times. When you look back at all you accomplished, is there one special memory that you consider to be perhaps your signature moment? Um, Well, I mean, you know, I think the, the, the one thing that always comes to mind is, you know, your first big league hit, you know, that's, that's, that's a moment that you never, that you never forget. Um, and then after that, you, you, you think of, you know, for me growing up a Padre fan, my first, my, my first hit as a Padre or going to the postseason with the Padres. And then, you know, after that, you think of playing for, you know, organizations like, like the Red Sox that has such great history. And then the Dodgers that has great history. And, you know, I grew up watching Fernando and, and just, you know, the being able to go to the postseason every year with the Dodgers, you know, all those moments are, are very special. And those are moments I'll never forget. We always talk about firsts on this uh, podcast, which I think is something that you never forget. As you mentioned, um, the first hit is off uh, uh, Ortiz for the mm-hmm. Angels. Uh, your first home run comes for, off of uh, Kevin Jarvis. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember that moment and how that felt? Because home runs, uh, as we know, when we play wiffle ball in the backyard, they always feel good. But at the big league level, that felt extra special. Yeah, absolutely. That was it. Was a really fun, fun moment. Uh, it was actually the third home run in a back to back to back. I, I believe it was. I'm trying to remember exactly, but it was. I think it was Lance Nix, Rod Barajas, and then me. Um, so Jarvis was uh, was was leaving them down the middle that day for sure, and uh, I was I was fortunate enough to uh, to be able to to uh, to catch changeup right down the middle and, and be able to hit it out. I was just going to say that uh, Kevin Jarvis, and it's it's funny how as uh, former players you click into what the stuff that those guys had, and I almost yeah. envisioned him, uh, you know, maybe tipping uh, the change up and being able <laughs> to throw that because I remember Kevin Jarvis did have that. Um, you looked at look for those things. Um, was that something that you were you were trying to sit on in that moment? Do you remember that? No, I was too young to be able to do those kind of things. Maybe when I get when, when when I got a little bit of experience, I did that, or when I really started getting into watching video. But uh, at that moment, I was still just trying to trying to sing as hard as I could. Adrian, as we mentioned, your first uh, overall pick by the Marlins in two thousand, and then you're traded a short time later to the Rangers in two thousand three. Take us back to your call up. 2004, 21 years old with Texas. Who told you? How'd that go down? Who'd you call right away? Well, who told me was Bobby Jones, one of my favorite managers of all times. Um, Bobby was a, he was a prankster for sure. And he, he got, he, he would call, he would tell guys that they were going up as a joke sometimes. So, you know, (laughs) when, when he, uh, when he called me, we were in the middle of a 10 hour bus drive, literally like three hours from getting back home. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. We were going to get back home like at 5 a.m. Um, and he calls me. He's like, hey, where are you? Because I, I was driving with my wife back. I was following the bus. I'm like, I'm in the I'm following the bus. I'm right behind you guys. And, uh, and he's like, well, when you get to to when you get home, you better start packing. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're going to go up to the big leagues. I was like, Bobby, don't don't kid me right now. It's 2 a.m. We're seven hours into like, he's like, no, 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 for reals, for reals, you're going up. And I was like, all right. So 
you know, long story short, the flight left from Oklahoma City to Seattle at eight in the morning. So I got in like at one, two in the afternoon to Seattle and, and, and you know, I was able to get to the ballpark. I didn't play until Sunday. That was on a Friday. So I, I, I was able to rest, but uh, it was a uh, it was a long, long, uh, long road trip to get to Seattle for sure. Adrian, when you walk into that locker room, I, I think uh, this is some of the magical moments that we've heard on the podcast, too. You you go from the minor leagues and you get to the big league clubhouse. And then you walk in and you see those jerseys around the locker. Uh, what did you notice first when you saw your jersey? Um, well, I mean, the first thing I noticed was like how nice, you know, Seattle's uh, road or visiting clubhouse was compared to, you know, what, what you see in the minor leagues. Um, and, you know, when you see the jerseys, I mean, at the time, you know, there were Texas, that, that team had had a lot of a lot of good veterans and, and players that, you know, you grew up watching and all that. So. Uh, being a young kid, you really just enjoy, you know, being able to share a clubhouse with those guys. And, and you know, one of the first guys that, that said hi, and, and he was one of my mentors uh, those first two years in Texas was Sandy Alomar. And seeing him, you know, watching Roberto Alomar with the Padres for all those years, Sandy was in the Padres organization. Uh, and, uh, and so just, you know, a lot of conversations with him and he kind of took me by the hand and showed me the ropes and told me what to, what to do, what not to do and, and how to handle myself. And so he was very helpful. Fascinating that that uh, story, which is a big part of our podcast too, is the mentorship. Everyone has it. Um, it's sometimes it's not something you seek out if someone actually comes to you. Sandy Alomar was one of those guys and continues to be that in, in baseball. Do you remember one specific thing that he really uh, hit home with you and, and made it a lot easier for you to be a big leaguer? Um, the one thing that I remember the most, and I still share this, share this story a lot with, with, with young kids, uh, was that um, my second year in Texas, I got, I was, I was, you know, in the big leagues and I was, I was, I, you know, I thought was doing fairly well. I was hitting over 300 and, and having a little bit of success in the big leagues. And at the trade deadline, they ended up trading uh, Chen Ho Park for Phil Nevin and, uh, and they sent me down. And so I, I didn't know what was going on, what was happening. And, and so I was, you know, I was a little frustrated because of the fact that, you know, I felt like I was doing good and I happened to be the odd man out at, at the time. Um, and Sandy just pulled me aside and he said, hey, just 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 remember, I, I won three straight M uh, MVPs in AAA. And so, <laughs> and so that that put everything into perspective so you know it goes to show that you know it doesn't matter how how hard things can be all you can all you can do is just keep working hard and keep and keep keep trying your best and, and eventually your time will come yeah i love the veterans on that team too michael young was there alfonso soriano yeah. uh buck showalter was the manager uh mark Teixeira is the first baseman yep uh we don't come up to the big leagues and say i'm gonna i, I can't wait to dh my whole career and i know <laughs> the glove work that you've done uh, was that a hard scenario for you to to deal with, and and how did you uh, handle that? You, you know how I handled it was I went to Buck and I said, Buck, I can I can try and play outfield, you know. Mm -hmm. And I went that 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 winter I went to I, I came to Mazalan winter ball to to play right field, uh, so I can learn how to play right field. And my first winter ball experience, I was a right fielder. I wasn't even a first baseman because I was trying to learn the position. And uh, and sure enough, that year Buck put threw me out in right field, you know, for a game to see, to see me, even though I had never played the position before. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, I did my best and I was able to play. I was able to play right field uh, quite a bit when I was with the Red Sox. So, you know, it definitely helped out. Uh, but, you know, all you can do is, is, is be versatile. I think there's some cool moments that you have and, uh, you know, the uniform, the glove, the bat that you choose. 
Another cool aspect too, Adrian, is is the rookie card. Do you remember seeing it for the first time and and how it made you feel? And did you collect cards when you were younger? Um, I did collect cards when I was younger, um, and uh, and I was uh, I you know I, I never really, I, I I do remember different rookie cards, but you know at the time when when I was in the biggest, there were so many different cards that you didn't even know which one was a rookie card and which one was not, right. and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know those things have. Uh, those things have really, you know, changed over time. And, you know, when I first got to the big leagues, well, not even before, before I got to the big leagues, there was like a Donruss in the tops and that was it. And then all of a sudden there was like a hundred different cards because they were making so many different variations of tops and Donruss. And, and so like, you don't, you didn't know which one was like the rookie card, you know, like, like I remember collecting, you know, Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie card. And that was like, literally there was two cards and that was it. There wasn't, you know, and so that, that that's the that's the part that 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 I think the way that they went with cards to having a hundred different styles that kind of changed things. You know, I think fans are aware that your your older brother was in the game. Your father had a hand in the game as well. When you grew up, was it those two in particular who drove you into the lane of becoming a professional baseball player? Did you have other sports that interested you? Um, so yeah, I mean, my, my dad, my dad played, uh, professionally, kind of not professionally, but semi-professionally in Mexico. Um, uh, my two older brothers, David and Edgar, obviously, you know, they both played, David got hurt when he was in college. Um, so I was the youngest. I grew up around baseball, I would go to the baseball fields all the time. And, uh, and just while watching them, I would be playing with my friends on the side and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, I had, I had other interests too. I played, I played, I was a quarterback in high school. Um, and growing up when I was a kid living in Tijuana, I played a lot of soccer as well. So, you know, for me, you know, I always believe that as a kid, you need to play as many sports as possible because being the best athlete is better than just focusing on one sport. That's a great point. And we see such a different approach by parents nowadays with kids, uh, driven into one game, right? Year round. It's insane. Yeah, it is. You know, when we look at your uh, early career and you were talking about your time going from the Marlins to Texas, trying to get situated, find a position, it wasn't long thereafter you were traded to the Padres. In essence, your hometown team uh, Mm -hmm. in in 2006. What do you remember about being told not only that you were traded, but that you were going to the Padres? Yeah, I was actually in winter ball uh, when I got traded. And uh, it was, uh, was, you know, a great moment. uh, when I when I was traded, I was around December. Um, I basically stopped playing right field and went slid down to first base. Um, and they told me like, "Hey, listen, Classico's here, uh, but you know your opportunity will come." And so you know, I you know, I was focused on that and, and focused on you know more than likely being in AAA again and uh, just waiting for my opportunity to come. And uh, you know how. We, 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 we're always talking about how a lot of a lot of people get their opportunities through injuries and and, and Clasco had an injury in spring training and that's that's what opened up the door for me to play uh you know start right away with with the Padres. Adrian when you slide into that opportunity and you're preparing I think every player prepares for that moment that I'm an everyday guy I mean I think you have that in the minor leagues you expect it in the big leagues when was that moment like uh when you had that opportunity you knew Hey, you know what? This is going to be a long time now. I'm going to settle in, and I feel really good about where I'm at. Well, I mean, you know, the opportunity comes unexpectedly, right? It happened like a week before the season started with the Padres, and actually, Bochi told Vinny to tell me, uh, Vinny Castilla, who's yeah. you know a guy I, I grew up, you know, looking up to, and 
and, uh, you know, just a really good friend of mine. And he was a third baseman at the time. Um, and for me, it was, it, it, it was more just like mentally prepare. Obviously you don't know how you're going to do you, you do your best. And, uh, you know, I, I, I fortunately, I, I got, I got off to a good start, uh, and that, that was able to help me feel confident and, and, and feel good about, you know, being an everyday player in the big leagues. Cause up until then, I mean, I had sporadic opportunities and, and, and the numbers in the big leagues weren't there because, you know, as a young kid be coming off the bench or, and pinch hitting here and there and then getting a game once or twice a week uh you know you're not really prepared for that because you've never done that your whole your whole life you have five years uh in the Padres organization I me mean, tons of fantastic moments with family and friends there to watch it uh anything jump out at you as like oh my gosh when I think playing in San Diego I think this um you know the, the thing that jumps out the most I think in my opinion is being able to to play with some of the players that, you know, again, I grew up watching. You know, I was the first year we had such a great team, such a great uh, mentors and, and veteran guys. We had Hoffy, we had, you know, Greg Maddox and, and David Wells. I mean, I can go on and on and on with the veteran players that were there. And it was, uh, it was just such a, such a fun, fun team to be around um, such a fun clubhouse and a great atmosphere. And I just, you know, was able to develop some great friendships and being the young kid along with Josh Barfield at the time, um, you know, all the veterans took really good care of us. And so for me, just that year and being able to play, get to the playoffs with the Padres was, was amazing. Adrian, there's so many things when you grow up, you realize that there's military aspects to it. Um, also, uh, so many fans from Mexico that, that follow the San Diego Padres. Um, was there pressure in that aspect of it, I know you're playing in your hometown, but also there's got to be pressure to say, you know what, uh, the, when these kids come to the field, um, they're watching me. They, they understand what I have to bring, much like a, a Vinny Castilla did for you. That's something that is is a pretty cool thing. How did you handle that? You know, I, I, I was never one to really think about pressure. Um, you know, I think expectations, pressure, all that. Um, when you put in the work, it's, it's, you know, you, there's so much you can do preparing that the, the, the times I felt like I felt disappointed or felt, you know, that, that, that thing where I had to perform was when I felt like I, maybe I didn't do enough pregame to get ready for the game. Cause if you do everything you can going leading up to the game and you know, you're fully prepared, if you don't do well, that, that's just part of the game, you know, because you obviously have a guy with a ball in the mound that's in control and he's trying to get you out. And so for me, it was always just about, you know, it wasn't about the results. It was about the process. And I, I learned that early on. And, and, and that was really what I, what I focused on. It wasn't on, on the end results, because if I really just focused on the process and making sure that I was 100 percent ready to, for that at bat or for that game, you know, good or bad you could you could hit four rockets at at, at somebody and and then you went off for four and does that mean that you had a bad game no you know mm -hmm. the lying box score boy we've seen it time and again right <laughs> you can go three for four with three broken bat you know or infield hits and you don't feel so great about yourself you hit three bullets and you're over uh such yeah, is the nature but, of your beast but the outside expectations and the outside chatter goes into well he had three hits versus he had no hits and so if you really focus on like that outside pressure you know, it's, 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 it's really hard to, you know, you focus on, on your bats and how you're feeling. And, and, and like I said, the process, I mean, being in the cage, being in the video room, being, doing all the things you need to do to be ready. And if you're ready, then, you know, the results, you, you really, you know, you, you can try and just, you know, execute your game plan. 
Obviously, it worked for you. You make three all-star teams as a member of the Padres. You make another team in Boston, another in L.A., so five in total. Any of those all-star games particularly significant or memorable to you? Um, uh, definitely the first one was at old Yankee stadium. It was the last year that, you know, I remember the moment when they brought in all the legends, the baseball legends, and they put, you know, everybody was there and that was a very special moment to, to be a part of, um, the two home run derbies were fun. Um, those are things that you, you know, you remember and, and you never forget. So, um, you know, you know, they all had their own unique, unique thing to them. Home run uh, derby ruin your swing, by the way, that's the urban legend. No, you do home run derby and BP, BP almost every day. So, I, you know, that's that that that's an excuse. I always tell people, though, you know, there's a lot of things that people use as an excuse. And and when media brings it up, they'll just ride with it. So um, that's definitely one of them. It's so true. And it drives me crazy, too. I, I, I mean, excuses is what really uh, perpetuates so many different things in this game right now. Uh, when you look at those games, obviously you're in, with other stars in the locker room um, and and so forth. You talked about Ken Griffey Jr. Even with the with the card, were there was there anyone that you tried to emulate and and feel because you had a rhythm and timing swing, Adrian? That I think a lot of people tried to emulate because it was so smooth. It had power. It had line drivability. Was there someone that stuck out in your mind that you loved to watch? Um, well, I mean, you know, as a kid, I grew up wanting to be just like Tony Gwynn so you know staying inside the ball hitting the ball up the middle the other way was was a big part of what I tried to do as a kid uh I always you know watched Chipper Jones as well like I said Ken Griffey Jr. uh Rafael Palmeiro I mean those kind of guys are the guys that I really really enjoyed watching growing up and you know when you're playing you're talking about wiffle ball I used, I used to play a lot of wiffle ball against against my brother and we used to you know pick baseball cards and, and make a lineup out of it and we had to hit like them and you know I used to be a guy that when I was a sophomore in high school, I would just put my foot down and, and hit. And then I was playing wiffle ball games against my brother and I picked Chipper Jones as my third baseman. So I, I had to hit like him. And for whatever reason, everything my brother threw me in wiffle ball, I would hit well, hitting like Chipper Jones. So then I, I went into a, a, a high school game and I started hitting like Chipper Jones. And, and my junior and senior year, I hit like Chipper Jones and I won, you know, I was CIF player of the year. And I took that into the minor league. So like, you know, those are the things that that you do as a kid, and 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 you you learn things by 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 playing wiffle ball games in the back in the in the backyard. You ever talk to Chipper Jones about that? I did, yeah. <laughs> what was that conversation like? I <laughs> know uh, he's awesome. He he just he, you know he he loved it, and, and it was uh, it was one of those things that you know you just like hey the reason I hit with a tap is because of you. So thank you for that. He's like he's like glad I could help. <laughs> That's fantastic. Let me ask you this. You, you moved through a 15-season career, and I would imagine you're always anticipating this is going to be the year. Your team's going to win it all. Your team's really good. Every player seems to buy into that, or it would be difficult to play what you'd play at the level you perform at. You make five season uh, postseason runs. Um, significant in that you had 06 with the Padres, uh, 13, 14, 15, and 16 with the Dodgers. Any of those mean more to you than perhaps we might be aware of on the outside? Um, no, they're they're all they're all very similar. You know, I mean, even even like the the game one sixty one sixty two against the Rockies in 07 was another one that, even though it's not considered a postseason, it was a you know felt like a postseason game. Um, and you know, they're they're all significant. They all have their 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 special moments, and you know. 
you you have those those key at bats that could that could could swing the, the the series and you know i mean postseason is just another another level and it's it's amazing i think that's uh fascinating too because you did touch on pressure it amps up a little bit and i think the the great ones flourish because they have that slow heartbeat how did you feel in those biggest moments uh i know you were prepared but how did you handle those when you when you were in those moments um well my my first ever postseason game uh where my first ever postseason at bat actually um with the padres i had bases loaded two outs i think it was the second inning of the game um i had a three two fastball from chris carpenter and i hit a line drive right down the left field line i mean went foul probably like by an inch that could have switched you know changed the series uh, happened to be foul. Next pitch, another three-two pitch. He throws me, you know, a nasty breaking ball, freezes me, strike out. Um, after the game, Brian Giles comes up to me and he says, "Just remember that the louder the crowd gets, the softer the pitchers throw." And I always took that the rest of my career, so I was able to have success in key moments uh, because it, I realized that the louder, the the the, the more an energy there was at the stadium. Yeah. you know, I could slow down and almost sit soft because the adrenaline uh, would would allow you to, to cover the fastball. And when you look at it, uh, Adrian, um, this is this is the interesting aspect that I think is when you think of Adrian Gonzalez, you think of, okay, he grew up in San Diego. He loved Tony Gwynn. Then he goes to the, I don't want to say rivalry, but the hated team up north to the Dodgers. What was that like when you first got into that uniform? Because I always say this, Adrian, putting a major league uniform on, no matter what team it is, is an honor. It's a blessing. Um, I absolutely love that. But there is a dynamic to it where you're putting on that uniform and you're saying, man, uh, I need to get used to this. I need to uh, feel good about putting it on. Did you have that moment? And what was that like for you? Um. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, when you get, when you, when you put on the, the uniform that, you know, like I said, I grew up a Padre fan. So putting on the Dodger uniform was, 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 you know, a little bit, my, the first time putting it on, like you said, is, you know, you, 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 you're like, well, I'm putting on a Dodger uniform, you know, but you're so blessed and so appreciative of, of being able to put on a big league uniform that you put it on with pride and, and you go out there and, and, and you fight for your team. Um, and so the, the one thing that made it so much amazing to play for the Dodgers was the fans and, and the ownership. I mean, the way that they took me in and the way that they embraced me was, was amazing. And so, um, you know, you, you, you cannot help, but, but wear proudly and, and, and play your heart out for, for that team and for that organization because of the city, the fans and, and the, and the way that, that, you know, they, they, they took me in and, uh, and I was just, you know, so, you know, so grateful to them. Hey, speaking of the fans, Adrian, and Mark, having played in the Dodgers uh, uniform as well, knows exactly what I'm going to ask. You sweep your camera lens across the crowd, and it's celebrity after celebrity after celebrity. You guys are celebrities that they're there to see. Was there ever a time in your uh, six seasons in L.A. where you were actually starstruck by someone you met and saw? Um, I mean, you know, you're always starstruck. There are, you know, you're always, you know, very um what's the right word you know you 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 realize that they do a job that is is amazing you know whether they're actors or musicians or 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 whatever they are um and so every time you get an opportunity to take a picture with you know with with anyone that whether that's in the clubhouse or or on the field 
uh, you do it with pride and, 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 you know, you, you tell them how much, you know, you appreciate what they do. And so, um, is, is there one that stands out to me? I don't, I don't think there is, but there's, like you said, there's, you just have so many opportunities to take pictures and meet these guys. And, you know, the one person that, I, that I'm grateful that I got to meet only because, you know, we have so much in common and, and we've become really good friends is, is Mario Lopez. And, uh, and, and to the date, you know, he's a Chula Vista guy, just like me. Um, and, you know, to the day we, we, you know, we hang out and our families uh, get along really well. And, and it's, it's become a really good, really good friendship. Yeah, I love that stuff. I, I think it's fascinating. When you're in a Dodger uniform, the history resonates um, of what the game has brought, you know, whether it's the ties of Brooklyn coming over to Los Angeles. I think it's just an honor. And it's another level uh, that I always try to tell people, too. Uh, that white uniform is as white as I've ever seen anything in my life. Yeah. Um, those aspects, especially with the celebrities, um, you're taking pictures, you're getting ready for a ball game. Uh, a utility guy like myself just getting ready for a pinch hitting opportunity they always asked me hey catch the first pitch and <laughs> i had no idea who i was catching and then i'm squatting down to catch the first pitch and i'm like oh my gosh this is uh unbelievable and i can't believe i'm i'm meeting these guys it's those moments that you have that are that are extra special adrian one of the things that i think a lot of people like to hear is the guys that gave you the most trouble, the guys that, that you uh, flourished on that are those elite players. Do, you, do those uh, resonate with you at all? Um, well, the guy that gave me the most trouble, you know, especially when he was in his prime early on in his career uh, when I was with San Diego was Tim Lincecum. Um, I mean, he just, uh, I just couldn't hit him. I might've gotten a couple of singles off of him and that was about it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, there was, I, I think the guy that I had the most success against and his, you know, great pitcher long career uh, was Homer Bailey. Um, and, and, and those are things that you, you can't explain. There's, there's pitchers you just don't see the ball against and there's pitchers that whatever they throw for, for whatever reason hits barrel. How about uh, you mentioned Trevor Hoffman, the, the hall of famer of the San Diego. Um, <laughs> what was that challenge like? Because you had to, you had to choose the fastball or the changeup. Um what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I got to face him maybe once or twice, maybe three times, I don't know, uh, when he was in Milwaukee. And <clears throat> like I always say, uh, you know, at the time, I don't, I don't, I think his fastball might have been like 86, 87. Right. So, you know, you know, when you face guys that you grew up admiring and, and, and loving and everything, you always, you know, like when I face Pedro Martinez, right? People are like, hey, you face Pedro. I was like, yeah, I, I faced Pedro, but I didn't face Pedro you know it's like yeah. it's not the same like yeah. you can't Pedro was throwing 86 also you know when I faced him it's like it's not you're not facing that guy that everybody remembers you know right so when they ask me those questions it's like yeah I faced him but I didn't face him in their prime so it's 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 not it's it's not the same yeah I don't you know, think want, people I don't think people realize that uh, Pedro was probably nastier or the nastiest when he was in Montreal and, exactly. and, and it's, yeah. it's almost like they forget that but he literally wanted to throw the ball through your rib cage if he didn't like you. And he's 145 pounds soaking wet. But it, it was almost like this is a different level. Uh, it, yeah. it really is crazy. Yeah. So I, I got to face Lindsay coming this prime, you know, and that, that, that's the guy that I got to face in this prime. And he was he was pretty special. You know, what's fascinating is hearing the two of you talk about these people you've faced and how challenging they were. Adrian, when you are approached by a youngster, you've got to distill that 
down to, I'm sure, some sage advice. So a young player comes up to you and says, hey, Adrian Gonzalez, 15 years in the big leagues, you faced all these guys. Can you tell me something important I should remember when I'm trying to learn how to hit? What would you tell them? <laughs> Stay back. Give yourself <laughs> as much as much time to see the baseball as possible. You know, that the, this this young kids that want to just jump at the ball right, right as they see it and try to hit hit it up in the air. Like anybody with, with, with what we call e- e- easy cheese or right, you know, they, they call it high spin right now, but I we used to call it you know easy cheese or or, or late life. Um, those guys, the, the, those guys will eat you alive if you're trying to hit it up in the air. Adrian, you had a fabulous career. I, I think when you uh, get to that so called uh, end because you don't know when the end is, you start preparing for other things. Um, you have always been involved with communities and outreach and helping people, but also you have business interests as well. Uh, what's next for you? What are you thinking about? And uh, what's uh, very important for you moving forward? Um, well, I, you know, like, like you said, I, I prepared myself for this. Uh, I've been doing, doing a lot of these things in these three years that, you know, I was, I was away from the game. Um, I have 11 Jersey Mike stores. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we have three more in construction. Um, one, one here in Mexico uh, that we're bringing Jersey Mike's into Mexico. Um, I have an app development company. I have, I'm a partner in a number of different, different things, a beer company, a cigar company, athletic apparel company. Um, you know, just a bunch of different things. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of different business interests. My wife has her shoe line, me at the car. And so, um, you know, we, we, we put ourselves where, uh, retirement, at least for, for, for the time that I wasn't playing, it was, it was, it was a lot busier than playing, playing the game. And so when you're playing, when you're playing the game, I came back here, I'm playing here in Mexico right now and, and playing the game, you, you know, you prepare for the game and that's it. Uh, where, when you got business and, and you have all these different things, you have multiple meetings and calls and all this stuff during the day. And then, and then you have, you know, <clears throat> you, you, you go to dinner and talk, talk more business. And, 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 and the one thing I, I, I absolutely love about business and, and running businesses and, and all this is, is that you can have business meetings on the golf course and business, business meetings during, during dinner and, and you build those, those relationships. And it's amazing. Just, you know, the connections that you, that you build with, with, with certain people and uh, you know, it's, it's really special. So I've really enjoyed that part. With all those things going on after you wrap up your run here with the Olympic team, do you anticipate staying in the game in any capacity? Um, you know, one of the things I did that I, that I did enjoy was, was I did some, some games for Fox uh, in Spanish. And so um, if it's for, for a network that's in L.A. And, and, and I can just, you know, be home and, and not travel, the biggest thing for me is not travel. And so may, may, maybe do something like that. Uh, I, could, I could possibly, you know, see myself doing something like that. Obviously, uh, family is important. How you balance uh, that now, playing and still having the ability to connect with your family, because uh, that is true and and very important to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to me, you know, my girls, my wife is are the most important thing here on earth for me. And uh, it's, uh, you know, this is an opportunity. I tell them, listen, it's going to be two and a half, three months, and and it's not a full baseball season. It's not, it's not the eight month season that we're used to. So um, bear with me. I know it's going to be hard and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it'll go, it'll go by pretty quick and, and hopefully we'll be, I'll be able to accomplish this, this, this thing to, to represent Mexico in the Olympics and, and, and then, uh, you know, I'll be home. Well, best of luck to you and your entire team down there. When I say team, I don't just mean team Mexico. I mean 
your team family, Gonzalez. Thank you. Thank you. you. Appreciate that. You bet. Adrian Gonzalez, our guest, 15 seasons in the big leagues, five teams. This guy was the first overall pick in 2000, a lifetime 287 hitter, five-time All-Star, our guest on Major League Beginnings. Adrian, thanks again. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Adrian. Well, folks, thanks for checking out Major League Beginnings presented by Bet Online. And if you had as much fun as we did, please go ahead, hit the subscribe button anywhere you usually download your podcast from. You pick the platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.